pray that you would uh, guide us and assist us in understanding um, this passage, these passages, and help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, have you ever done a particular activity for maybe a few hours or a few days or even a few weeks and then suddenly had a light bulb moment and thought, why on earth am I doing this? It's just pointless, it's a waste of time, it's just not working. Maybe it was something you were trying to achieve or uh, maybe it was a role that you'd been fulfilling or maybe even some kind of relationship you'd been in. Or what about the Christian life? Have you... Uh, thought, well, why am I continuing to be a Christian and trying to do what God uh, wants me to do? Maybe you don't feel like you've um, got what it takes or maybe you felt tired and discouraged uh, about your faith or doubted God's faithfulness or his love for some reason. Or maybe you've, you've just questioned uh, whether God is really worth your devotion or lost sight to a degree of who God is and what he's done. Or perhaps it's just some aspect of your life you've struggled to trust God with. Well, today um, we're going to go from communion, Jesus, and we're going to go to the beginning of the Bible almost. And we're going to look at uh, the story of Abraham. Now, we're going to see, essentially, that um, from Abraham's story, uh, that God is faithful to his promises and his word, even when that doesn't look like uh, that's going to be the case. So whether you're, you have or are facing discouragement, like I just, just described, um, my hope is that this sermon uh, will encourage us all in our faith and strengthen our resolve to continue living for and trusting in God because we can be sure that God is faithful to his promises. So, getting on to it, Abraham is a significant character in the Bible. And as, as we heard read to us, um, he comes on the scene at the end of Genesis 11. And he's really the key uh, human character anyway in the Bible up to about Genesis 25. And I want to just point out before we go on uh, that there's two names. There's Abram and there's Abraham. So they both refer to the same person. Same with Sarai and Sarah. They both refer to the same person. And so in the initial chapters, uh, it talks about Sarai and Abram. And in Genesis 17, God renames these people to Sarah and Abraham. So just in case you're not familiar, um, and I'm going to be speaking just for simplicity about Sarah and Abraham, just so I don't get confused myself. <coughs> now, before Abraham... In the beginning, of course, God created the world and all the humans in it, um, but then sin entered the world, and this brought serious consequences, as we know. One of them was the flood, uh, and everyone except Noah and his family were destroyed. But as we go through the, the Bible story, and we see that by Abraham's time, humans are, again, growing in number, and they're spreading out and they're filling the earth. But unfortunately, sin is also spreading out, and it seems like the knowledge of God is becoming somewhat lost. So it's in this context that God breaks onto the scene in Genesis 12. So he singled out Abraham out of all the people uh, on the earth at that time, and he's given him a promise. And so um, 
That's what we saw in Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3. God said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And a bit later in, uh, in verse 7, um, God also says to Abraham that he will give the land of Canaan um, to Abraham's descendants. So in other words, uh, God promises to bless Abraham and make his name great. Um, that's um, make him famous in other words. Uh, and to give him descendants and to give his descendants uh, land. And furthermore, um, he promises that all people would be blessed through Abraham. Now, as Abraham's story unfolds, um, the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham is delayed and tension builds. There's obstacles that arise. And there's a continual question mark hanging over whether God will be faithful uh, to his promises. So we're going to look at three apparent obstacles to um, God's, God fulfilling his promises. And I've called them self, situation, and sin. So three S's. So we'll look at each of those in turn and see what we can learn about God and how it relates to our lives. So on to the first obstacle, self. So for this first point, um, what do we know about Abraham from the, from the passages that we looked at? Well, we know his wife was Sarah and that he and Sarah were unable to have children. We also heard about the fact that Abraham's father was Terah and he had a nephew named Lot. Now, can you think of anything else uh, in that passage that we know? Well, as far as I can see, there wasn't really much else uh, said about Abraham. There's nothing mentioned about his skills or his abilities, um, his looks, his achievements, whether he was a good person. It doesn't really say anything much about that. So we assume that he was an average bloke um, living in the East, in the ancient world. And yet, God has chosen him for a most significant role. As God promised, Abraham would become famous um, and he would become a, a patriarch or a founding father of the Israelite nation and the Jewish faith. And not only that, with these promises to Abraham, God is really kick-starting his plan of salvation to save humanity from the effects of sin and rebellion and not knowing God. And that's a, a theme that really runs right through, through the Bible, starting with this promise in Genesis 12. Now, if you or I were going to choose someone for such a significant role, I reckon we would choose someone who was already well-known, someone who had, say, been a, a, a good community leader for a long time and had well-established credentials, someone who was well-known to be a, a good, upstanding citizen. Nothing like that is said about Abraham. And you'd think at the very least, um, God would have chosen someone who was a God-fearing person, someone who already worshipped him uh, and believed in him. But as I said, Abraham was a pretty average bloke. He worshipped false gods just like everyone else around him. But God made himself known to Abraham somehow and he called him to go to the land of Canaan. And it seems that this impacted Abraham so much that he was willing to trust God to leave his home country and go to the land of Canaan. So anyway, 
This is the first aspect, I think, in Abraham's story that seems to be an obstacle to God fulfilling his promises to Abraham. There's nothing uh, special about him, and he seems like an unlikely choice. And so that's why I've called this first point self, uh, because who Abraham was himself seems to be a problem for the fulfillment of God's promises. But the Bible shows that this was not a problem. God did indeed make Abraham great and did give him uh, many descendants in the end who eventually became the nation of Israel. So what about ourselves? Are there things about ourselves that cause us to have doubts about God and his word for us? Abraham's story shows us that we never need to rule ourselves out from being recipients of God's promises. Whether we start out, start out as Christians or not, whether we're well-known and respected or not, whether we're wealthy or not, whether we're smart or not, whether we're weak or strong, whatever, we can be recipients of God's promises to us and know that he will be faithful to those promises. Just like he was to Abraham, who started out as an ordinary man and, a, and an idol-worshipping man. Now, I'm not saying that God has a role like Abraham's for each of us. No, he sovereignly chose Abraham for that particular role. So instead, we need to consider the promises God has for us. And we live in the time of the new covenant in Jesus' blood, of course. But based on this story, we can know that God will be faithful to the promises that are relevant to us, just as he was to those relevant to Abraham. It's not what... Uh, it's not how great that we are that counts, but it's how great God is and how faithful he is. He's not dependent on anyone or anything. But like Abraham, we need to come to God in faith, uh, believing in him and being willing to be obedient to what he calls us to. And as we do that, um, he will work in our lives and transform us. So that's one obstacle um, to God fulfilling his purposes, who Abraham himself was. And we've seen that despite this, God did fulfill his promises. And so, like Abraham, we need not rule ourselves out um, from God's promises because of who we are. So a second obstacle uh, that seems to threaten God's promises is Abraham's circumstances at various points in the story. And God promised to give Abraham descendants, to provide him and his descendants land, uh, to bless him and to make him great. But we see various aspects of Abraham's circumstances are working against these promises and threatening their fulfilment. So Abraham, uh, sorry, God calls Abraham to leave his family and his country and his people and to go to the land of Canaan. But there, uh, that land is already occupied by the Canaanites and in that country, Abraham would be a stranger and a foreigner. So this would seem like a backward step uh, if God is going to make him great and give his descendants the land. And in particular, we can see a number of reasons for saying that. He's leaving, Abraham is leaving everything he's familiar with and all the support structures that he has in his home country that he might have built on and, and grown in and um, become great in. And also, it's unclear whether Abraham's family actually own land in their home country, but at least back there at home, Abraham had a place to belong and he was known within the community. 
as I said, within this new land, Abraham is a nobody, an unknown stranger, and he has no land of his own. And he's moving about from place to place like a nomad and living in tents. So how on earth is God going to make him great and uh, give his descendants land? Furthermore, Abraham and Sarah started off being unable to have children, as we saw at the very start there. Uh, But now they're old as well, very old. So how on earth is God going to give Abraham many descendants um, if Sarah can't even have one child of her own? And now what I've said there about Abraham's circumstances, that's confirmed by the fact that Abraham himself uh, was worried about his circumstances and whether God would be faithful. He started off as a pagan, and so he didn't have a whole lifetime of a relationship and experience with God to draw on and to bolster his faith. He had trusted God enough to, to go to Canaan, um, but his faith was still, still growing. And so in Genesis 15, uh, we see that God did appear to him again and clarified and confirmed his promises. But we see that Abraham questioned God. And in verse 2 and 3, he questions God about still being childless. And in verse 8, he asks God how he's going to know that he will gain possession of the, the promised land. So in other words, Abraham is worried and he's unsure about his circumstances. But despite this, um, none of Abraham's circumstances were showstoppers that prevented God from fulfilling his promises to Abraham. In fact, they um, functioned to highlight God's sovereignty and power. God is the one who is bringing about his promises and making things move along. And so as Abraham's story unfolds, we see that God miraculously enables Sarah and Abraham to have a child in their old age. Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. We also see that Abraham's family line continues despite the various threats and eventually becomes the nation of Israel. Abraham and his descendants also come and go between Canaan uh, and Egypt. Uh, But eventually, um, God frees them from the Egyptians. That's what we know as the Exodus. And they wander around in the wilderness. And they eventually, um, God eventually enables them to take possession of the land of Canaan. And in various ways, through the story, we see God bless and protect Abraham and make his name great. So although it took a period of time and there was waiting involved, And nonetheless, God did fulfill his promises. Now, don't you agree that we can worry about our circumstances just like Abraham? For me, um, assignments recently have been the the worry. I've been studying at Perth Bible College. And so I had a a whole line of um, essays that were due by particular deadlines. And some of them, I was wondering, well, how am I going to get this done to a good enough standard and in time? So in situations like this, it's easy to focus on the difficulties that we face. And we can really worry about how we're going to get through this through the situation. And we can easily uh, forget who God is, what he's done in the past, and the promises he has for the future. But Abraham's story uh, reminds us that whatever our circumstances are, uh, that doesn't set the final outcome. God is powerful and he's sovereign and can still bring about his plans and and promises 
uh, regardless of what the situation looks like. That doesn't necessarily mean um, all the difficulties we experience in life will necessarily be resolved, but it does mean that God is faithful and that he will fulfill his eternal promises. We can trust who he is and we can look to his word, the Bible, for help. And so for me, um, doing those assignment was, assignments was an opportunity to exercise my faith and to pray and to trust God. So that's uh, two obstacles in Abraham's story that seem to present a problem to the fulfilment of God's promises, that of self and situation. So on to the last one, sin. So in Genesis 16, um, we heard uh, about how Abraham and Sarah had been in the land of Canaan for a number of years and yet still did not have a child of their own. So again, God's promises were on the line. Was he going to fulfill them and give them a child? Now, in those times, it was an accepted practice for a woman who was unable to have children to give her husband um, her female slave so that they could have children through that slave, sort of like a surrogate mother. And so in keeping with that, that uh, custom, Sarah said to Abraham, uh, this is Genesis 16.2, the Lord has kept me from having children. So go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So Abraham agreed to this and he slept with Sarah's uh, slave Hagar and she became pregnant. Now, I'm suggesting that in doing that, Abraham, uh, in sleeping with Hagar, Abraham has sinned. Now, maybe that's too harsh to describe that as sin. I think there are some arguments for saying that, though. But what is clear is that it was clearly not an ideal um, situation from a number of, number of perspectives. To start with, it was clearly not the best path for Abraham and Sarah to take, because we see in this story... Um, that it spelt trouble and conflict for Abraham's family. Most importantly, though, um, Abraham and Sarah have failed to trust God fully at his word, uh, which is revealed to them and confirmed and clarified more than once. So it seems like this delay in the fulfilment of God's promises um, has been too much for Abraham, and so instead he's taken things into his own hands. Now, this is pretty much a slap in the face to God. Imagine if you were a parent, what you would have felt like if you had a child that you were trying to provide for and help in some way, and then they rejected you just because of a delay. So how does God respond? Well, despite this slap in the face, he doesn't reject Abraham, nor abandon his promises to Abraham. And we don't even see any mention of God's anger burning against Abraham. Instead, God graciously continues to progress his plans um, and he remains committed and faithful to his promises to Abraham. Interestingly, uh, God does act graciously towards the, the slave Hagar and he appears to her and promises that she will have a son called Ishmael. But nonetheless, God sticks to his original promises to Abraham and the original plan there. So the path that Abraham took with sleeping with, with Hagar might have seemed like it was going to mess up God's plans, um, but it doesn't. And so 
God can bring about his plans and promises even when imperfect people are involved. Sarah ends up giving birth to a child, a son, and it's through him and subsequent offspring that God's promises to Abraham are fulfilled. So we see that God's not temperamental or easily upset, um, nor do circumstances force him to change his course of direction, his course of action. And in fact, uh, as Exodus 34 verses 6 and 7 say, he is the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So what does this mean for us, this third obstacle? Well, we don't have to be nervous that when we stuff up, it will somehow derail God's plans and promises. He's, God is, is sovereign and his plans are not so fragile um, that they fail when his people fail. But that's definitely not to say uh, it's okay to sin. Sin brings with it consequences and so we should take that seriously. And rather than taking things into our own hands like Abraham did, uh, we should act out of faith. So Abraham's story reminds us how great God is and that he is able to progress plans with or without the cooperation of his people. He does not need to change his plans when circumstances change. So there we have it. So we've looked at the promises that God gave to Abraham, significant promises in the Bible, and we've seen how there were obstacles uh, in the story that made us wonder whether God would really fulfill his promises to Abraham. And I've called those, those obstacles self, situation and sin. And it seems to me that each of those areas can also present a problem for us. They can undermine our faith in God and his word and they can cause us to doubt God's love and goodness towards us, or question his promises and cause us to lack faith for the future, or lack, lack hope, sorry. The faithfulness of God in Abraham's story shows that we can have faith in God too. He is our awesome, sovereign and powerful Lord he will fulfill his promises and bring about his plans, regardless of the apparent obstacles of self, situation and sin. And because of this, uh, we should be confident in him and be willing to trust him and participate in his plans and purposes for the world. So let's uh, wrap up with some prayer. Dear Lord, uh, Thank you that you are our God and that you are sovereign, faithful, gracious and loving. I pray that the lessons from Abraham's story might filter into our hearts and our minds together with our own experiences of your faithfulness. I pray that through this knowledge, through your relationship with us and through the Holy Spirit, you might protect us from uh, the many things that can challenge our faith in you. Help us to encourage one another in this. Help us to trust you. Help us to come more to grips with the promises you have for us. Give us wisdom to know what we can trust you for and what we can't. And give us peace and hope for the future. And help us to participate in your plans and purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, thanks for listening. Um, for better or worse, I'm actually going to be continuing uh, in the story of Abraham next week. Um, so I'd encourage you to open your Bible at Genesis 12 sometime during the week and have a bit of a read and you might, yeah, you might learn something new or have something to discuss. And,